During my ordination council, which was a long time ago, I just turned 50, 53. Um, if you've ever been part of a part of an ordination, you probably were part of the the final stage where uh, you've already been through the questioning and all those kinds of things, and you get up in front and the, the current pastors or deacons or elders lay hands on somebody and and set them they set them apart for ministry, but, but my question and answer section was public. It was open to the church. And so um, I prepare my doctrinal statements, th- those kinds of things, which were pretty anemic back in, back in those days. And um, this was uh, the church that I was saved in. So it's an independent, fundamental Baptist church with a, with a capital I and a capital B. And uh, they invited, the pastor invited other men that I did not know uh, as the, the, the council. And so uh, I'm in the pulpit, and these were, these were 11 independent fundamental Baptist preachers. And, and uh, if you've ever been around uh, um, brothers of that era... Um, it's, uh, it, it, it can be pretty rabid, uh, and uh, so they're all sitting up here on the front rows, and I'm here. And then the whole, there's a peanut gallery back there watching, you know, what, where, where's blood going to fly, and how's this going to go? And, and they, you know, they, they, they knew my doctrinal statement uh, in, in the question about the, the inerrancy, the authority of Scripture, the doctrine of Scripture, uh, I had written in my doctrinal statement that... Um, that inspiration was applied to the, uh, and, and, and uh, inerrancy was applied to the original manuscripts, uh, not to any translation. And there was probably half of these guys that were King James only. And so they're, they're waiting. And of course, the Doctrine of Scripture is the first one on there. And I remember walking in just nervous as a cat, and, and I was trying to break the ice, talk to some of these guys before I got up there. And the first guy I got up to, and and uh, he said, uh, he said, how are you doing? And I thought, oh, he's a pretty nice guy. You know, he's trying to make conversation with me. And I said, well, I'm going to be, uh, I'm going to be a lot better in about an hour. And he looked at me and said, an hour? You're, you're, gonna, you're not going to get out of here for probably three or four. You know, and I was like, oh, great. And sure enough, the first question gets the microphone. Brother Farrell, that's how he started. Brother Farrell. Do you believe the King James Bible is God's translation for the English-speaking world? That was his question. And I was so nervous that I did not hear part of his, part of his question. And, uh, and God, in his grace, allowed me to answer that question in a way that said it was wrong. Uh, it's not what I believed. I said yes to the guy. But he was just kind of dumbfounded, and he sat down, and then the rest of the King James Only guys didn't give him any problem the, you know, the, the rest of the night. So um, the Lord has a sense of humor uh, sometimes. So uh, you're not 11 or 12 independent fundamental Baptist guys that, that, are, that are out to get me. Uh, so we're all church family here tonight. The way we're going to begin this evening, a number of you had some questions about the Arab and Israeli conflict and just how to think through some of those things. So we talked about um, the perilous times that we're living in. We talked about Daniel uh, chapter 7 and um, 
Uh, so because a number of you asked that, we're just going to start there with, with some background information, and then I'll, and, and then I'll open it up, and, I, and it'll probably be helpful to, uh, you know, to, to all of you. Just some, some general background uh, about, about Israel. Um, here is a, here's a map. That, uh, that, that, will, that, that I'll talk you through. Uh, I don't know how well you can see that or if there is a, if this thing has a pointer or not. I don't think it does. Anyway, this, uh, the little purple strip on that side, that the, down at the very bottom is, is Gaza. It's where everything is, is going. Can you, can you all see the map, even from the back? Um, the... Uh, the, the red part there is the, is the Salt Sea, or the Dead Sea, um, and, and it's half Israeli, half Jordanian. Uh, the green part there is what's called the West Bank, which just simply means the West Bank of the, of the Jordan. Um, and then all the way up, this is, this is a politically correct map because it has all of the little, little territories that are there, all the way up in the... Um, I guess it would be in the right-hand corner. You, you see it's a, it's a lighter yellow-green. That's the Golan Heights, uh, which is part of, uh, of Israel uh, today. Um, you would need to go back to uh, Genesis uh, 16, 17, um, and see how the whole thing started, obviously, with uh, Ishmael and, and Isaac. Whenever Abraham started to started to do Plan B, but to not not to trace all of that up 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 to this point, um, where did all of the all of the stuff stuff begin? Um, history wise, from from a from an Israel uh, standpoint, um, after the Crusades, you had um, uh, this this uh, Muslim leader Salah Adin. And on July 4th, I always remember that because it's our, our date of independence, July 4th, uh, 1187. So you're way back there. Uh, he defeated the Crusaders at the Horns of Hattin. If you ever go to Israel, when you go to Mount Arbel, which is this beautiful overlook of the Sea of Galilee, it's likely the place where Jesus gave the Great Commission. As you're looking over the Sea of Galilee, if you turn over your right shoulder and look, there is a mountain there, a little ridge, for lack of a better word. You're already really up high, and there's, there's two, little, two little knobs on top of that, that ridge that, that, that look like horns, and that's the horns of Hattin, and it was this battle area where, uh, where the Muslims actually conquered the Crusaders, and there was some stuff that happened after that, but that was, that was the big battle, and then Salah ad-Din marched on Jerusalem and took over, took over Jerusalem. After him... Uh, came the Mamluks, um, about 250 years, uh, 1200s to uh, 1500s, and then came the Ottoman Empire. The Ottomans were there. Turks were there for about 400, 400 years, uh, 1500 to, uh, to, to early 1900s, so 1517 to 1917. And at the end of World War I, so we're, we're still way back in, in history, the end of World War I, in, in 1918, uh, the, the British take over this, this, this land, this, this area. Um, 
and uh, they, they, they took over not only Israel, but Jordan and, and Syria. And so you had what was called the British Mandate, if you ever, if you ever heard about that, after World War I. British Mandate, 19, 1922. Don't be impressed that I know all of these dates. I looked many of them up today just to make sure that I, I knew them for you. Um, but the British Mandate in 1922, the Brits control all of that, uh, all, of the, all of the area... General Allenby from uh, World War I, um, Lawrence of Arabia, Sir Lawrence of Arabia is, is around that, that time, and they're, they're controlling the land of Palestine, and I'll talk to you about where did the word Palestine come from. I think it's important when you, you're talking through this, but the British Mandate approved a, a Jewish homeland. You had what was called a Zionist movement, which were Jewish people, moving back to the Holy Land, moving back to their, their roots from the late 1800s. I mean, there were already Jews there before, before World War I, 30,000, 40,000, something like that. But the British mandate, Britain said, there should be a Jewish homeland, which obviously was, was something that the Arabs that were in that area didn't like, didn't like very well uh, at, at all. And then... Um, after World War II ended, uh, you had the Holocaust, and you had 7 million Jews slaughtered by, by Hitler, and uh, European Jews uh, were, were taken from Poland and from Europe and all of these other places in concentration camps, camps and, where they, and when they were liberated, uh, they, 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 they don't have a homeland. They don't have any place to go back to. Um, homes were destroyed, and and their property seized by the Nazis and, and everything else. And so there was a great sense of, of uh, obvious sympathy for, 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 for the Jewish people. And so um, after World War II, uh, the, the, the United Nations and, and others said Israel is a great place for, uh, for, the, for the Jewish people to, to actually return to. And so in 1947... They, they declared that, that Israel could be, could be a state. Um, and then in 1948, May 1948, David Ben-Gurion, who's a very famous uh, Israeli, Ben-Gurion Airport, you'll hear that on the news, was named after him. Uh, he declared Israel's independence. And when that happened, um, it all broke loose in a, in a, in a bad way. So all of the Arab countries that were there uh, came, against, came against Israel. There were five of them, uh, and they are going to drive them in the sea. And you, you hear this chant and mantra, you know, from the river to the sea, Palestine will, will be free. And that, that goes all the way back there. It's the idea that we're going to drive the Jews from, from the Jordan into the sea and annihilate them. They shouldn't be here. They have no right to be here from, a, from an Arab uh, standpoint, and so uh, with that de- declaration of statehood, you had Israel's war of you know uh, of independence. Uh, there's a bunch of other wars I'll tell you about in a in, in a minute, um, but the other one it, that's important whenever you're whenever you're looking at this map is in 1967 called the Six Day War. Um, that was when Israel was was attacked by. Um, uh, uh, Egypt and uh, Syria and Jordan, I believe it was, and that's whenever they actually took Gaza 
uh, Gaza was not part of Israel, it was part of Egypt. Um, and that's whenever they took uh, the uh, Sinai and uh, the West Bank, which is again the West Bank of the, of the Jordan and the Golan Heights. And that's where the name occupied territory came from. They're, this is land that Israel, as far as the, you know, the Arabs, the Muslim world, and even some uh, liberal places, that, that this was, they're, they're occupying this land. This, this actually wasn't, uh, you know, wasn't their land. So what about the, uh, what else would, would, would be necessary to think, think well about what's happening right now in, in Gaza? You know, I talk to Boaz on a regular basis. I talk to Minnow and, and others. You, you can see from that map, that little purple spot, that Gaza is, is, is really small. It's a, it's a small area, um, 140, 141 square miles, which is not, not very big at all. You've probably heard about 2 million people. So it's, it's 25 miles long, 25 miles long. How, how far is it from here to Madison Heights? Is it 25 miles? Not even that. I don't know. 25 miles long and about 6 to 12 miles wide. So this is a really small, a small stretch of, of land. And Israel controlled Gaza until about 2005. Um, Hamas took over Gaza in 2006, 2007. Um, and Gaza used to be part of Egypt until the, until the Six-Day War um, and it was part of Egypt from 1948, and then Six-Day War, Israel took it, and then as part of the peace deal between Israel and um, in Egypt, Anwar Sadat gifted Gaza to Israel. You, 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 you can have it. You, you, you can keep it. Um, so that's, that's where that land came from and, and uh, you know, the, the history behind it. I think Something else, though, that's, that's probably even more important than, than how the, the, the conflict, the modern conflict, got, got started uh, about Jewish people coming back there and, 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 and the two states, if, if you will. The UN said there will be an Arab part and there will be a Jewish part in, uh, in 1947, and the Arabs said there's not going to be any Jewish part. The minute that the Jews declare that they're going to stay here and that they're going to have a stake here, we're going to attack them, and that's exactly what they did in the War of, War of Independence. But you hear a term on a regular basis that you, you just assume probably a number of things that, that you shouldn't. You hear the term Palestine, and you hear the term Palestinians. That's just a, a common term, right? So who are the, 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 the Palestinians? The first thing that you need to understand is there has never been a country of Palestine and there's never been a Palestinian people in, in history. Um, there's not like France, and so these are French people. There's never in the history of the world been a, a Palestinian country or a Palestinian people. If you hear the word, if you listen to the word, you, you may be able to even figure out where it comes from. Uh, a Palestinian. It comes from the word Philistine. Um, 
And the Philistines have nothing to do with the Arab Muslims that, that are there today. The Philistines, you remember, Israel's enemy from the Old Testament. They were, they were probably Greek. They were sea people. And so they're separated by, by a thousand plus years. And they don't have anything to do with each other. So where did this, where did this, this name, Palestine, and the Palestinians come from? Well... You remember after our Lord uh, died and rose from the dead, uh, then the, the, he prophesied, foretold, the destruction of the temple, the Jewish temple, which happened in 70 A.D. So Jesus ascends into heaven, and the temple still operates, and there is a Jewish uprising in, in 68 A.D., and the Romans uh, crushed the uprising. And in 70 A.D., the the... The temple is destroyed, and the Jewish people are decimated, and they're, they're scattered. And Rome reasserts its authority over, over, over Israel. And Israel are, have troubled them long enough, and so they want, to, they, they want to squash them in any way. They're never going to have, and from Rome's standpoint, we're never going to have a situation again where the Jews are able to do this. We tried to play nice with them, and you can't play nice with them. So temple's destroyed, and they're, and, and they're gone. And so the Roman position on Jews is, is we're not going to allow them to, to get back in that, that, that same place again. And around 132 A.D., there was a Caesar named Hadrian um, who, who really uh, tried to, to push that, that agenda. He came and said, uh, outlawed circumcision, outlawed the Torah, uh, Jewish people can't even practice their religion, and he renamed the area. He, he said, we don't want to name it Judea, we don't want it to be called Judea, because that's, that, that has too much history connected to the Jewish people, and so we'll call it Philistinia, which is where the term Palestine comes from. And it was a slam, if you will. This is the land of the Philistines. That's what he's saying. Historically, it's not the land of Judea. It's not the land of the Jews. It's the land of the, land of the, the Philistines. And that led to the Bar Kokhba revolt. Um, the Arab people that are there today, uh, Arab Muslim people that, that are called Palestinians, they're, they're from all over. Um, they're from... Egypt, they're from Iraq, they're from Jordan, they're from Syria, they're from all over. They're refugees. They're people that were, were living in the land that when all of those five Arab countries, when, when Israel declared themselves to be a state in 1948, all of those five Arab countries said, we're going to drive Israel into the sea, so you get out of the way, and we'll do that, and whenever the war is over, you can go back in and to go back to your homes, and you can even have the Jewish homes and everything else. Well, it didn't actually work out that way, did it? And so the Jews actually won, and uh, so now you have uh, pockets of them, and Gaza is, is one of those, those pockets of, of Arab people that are from a hodgepodge of of different places, um, but they were not born, uh, you know, most of them were not born there, and, and, and the sad thing is nobody wants them. 
they're, they, they, they won't, uh, like Egypt won't take them. They're not Egyptian refugees. They're not Jordanian refugees. not Syrian refugees. They're, they're there. So it's a big deal for all these other is, Islamic Muslim countries that they stay there. Um, stay in Gaza. Stay in, uh, stay in Israel. Uh, you, you, some of you are old enough to remember Yasser Arafat and the PLO. Yasser Arafat is the one. As he's a, it was a, he was a terrorist. But he was smart enough to, to know that, that this, this, this term, Palestinians, the PLO, the uh, Palestinian Liberation Organization, uh, that name and this banner could unite all of these, all of these people. So, so that's what, what he did. He popularized the, uh, the, the name. And so the wars have been going back and forth. The first one in 1948-49, the War of, of Independence, which was... Jordan, Iraq, Syria, uh, Egypt, and, uh, and Lebanon. Um, after that, 1956, the, the crisis in the Suez Canal where Egypt seized that, and the, the, uh, the British and the United States helped Israel to, to attack Egypt and, and take the Suez Canal back. 1967 was the Six-Day War. That was another big one. When Syria, Egypt, and Jordan um, were, were were going to uh, were going to finish what they started in in 1948 in the, the the War of Independence, and then the next big one was 1973, which was called the Yom Kippur War. That was when Israel was taken by surprise. You had the Six Day War in '67, and then about six years later, you have the Yom Kippur War, the Day of Atonement. And this one happened to, you know, to land on the Sabbath. So it's on the Sabbath. It's the Day of Atonement. It's holiday. Nobody's paying any attention. And the Israel is, is attacked. And it was bad. It was, it was a really bad um, situation. Uh, and if the Lord hadn't have intervened there in the United States and otherwise Israel could have been, could have been in a bad situation. Um, you had some ticky-tack stuff going back and forth. I mean, I wasn't part of it. It probably wouldn't have felt ticky-tack if I was in the middle of it. But you had the, the Lebanese War um, in 1982 and then Hezbollah in 2006 and the Infantadas and those type of things. But really not since um, the, uh, the Yom Kippur War 50 years ago did something big happen like, like what's happening right now, which is why this is different from, from all the other skirmishes that, that are going Back, back and forth. One other thing I think is important. Um, you hear about Hamas and you hear about Hezbollah in the, in the north. So if you look at that map, uh, Hamas is in Gaza, and you see Lebanon all the way in the top, uh, where the up there where the Golan Heights is. So that's the north, and that's the that's the south. Hezbollah is in is in Lebanon, and Hamas is in is in Gaza. And they are two different factions of, of, uh, of Islam. So Hamas is what's called Sunni, and Hezbollah is, they're Shiite Muslims. You might remember those terms from the Iraq War, the Sunnis and the, the Shiites that, that, that are there. What's interesting is, is they're both backed by Iran, and Iran is Shiite. The Sunnis and the Shiites hate one another. Um, 
in fact, it, if you ask the average uh, Israeli, they will tell you that the, the Shiites hate the Sunnis more than they do Israel or, or, or the U.S. And all of that started back whenever the prophet Muhammad died uh, and um, I think the Sunnis assassinated the Shiite heir apparent to, to, to Muhammad. And so they've been battling ever since, and they actually, they actually hate each other. So why does Iran, which is Shiite and actually hates Sunnis, why do they back and fund Hamas, which is, which is Sunni? And the simple answer to that is um, your, your, your common enemy, uh, if you can gang up on, on, on the common enemy, then, then you might be able to, might be able to, uh, to fight. And so they, they, they back both, even though they're, uh, they're Shiite, and they see how it's easy to draw America into it and Europe and, and all, of those, all of those things. So that's probably more information than, uh, than, than you might want, but that's some important background as you ask some, some questions about, uh, about what's, what's going on. So what questions do you have? What questions do you have about about that or about, about something else. Does anyone have any questions about the uh, Israel conflict or anything I just said before we move on to something else since that's fresh in our minds? All right, right back here. On the very back. Kevin Brown's up on this side and they can bring you the microphone. I don't know that you have an answer to this, but at one point, Lebanon was considered a Christian uh, nation. Yeah. When did, did that occur? When did they become a Christian nation? I don't know the exact date whenever that, that occurred. There are still, I, I think, uh, there's a balance of power there. I think that there's, that, that there's a requirement that um, the... The, the president of Lebanon uh, is is Christian, or or there's there's a uh, I forget exactly how that 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 treaty is is together, but it's a conglomeration. So even right now, the leadership of Lebanon doesn't want any part of, of Israel, but but they have Hezbollah, which is obviously in the capital, but also little pockets of uh, of places. Um, all around on the, the Israeli border. They're very powerful. They're a militia that's, that, that's there. So while they're technically not the, the, the governing um, authority, they're, they're, they're uncontrollable. Um, that's the way, the way that I understand it. But yeah, they're... I know that the, the, they're, they're Greek Orthodox, I think, but mostly Lebanese, but then some of people my age Yeah, and, and there are Israeli Arabs that are, there, there are Muslim Arabs that are, that are citizens of Israel. So when you hear the whole idea, don't think it's just Jewish versus, versus Islam. There, I mean, Israel is a democracy, and there's freedom of religion there. So you have Christians that are there, you have, but there are Israeli Arabs that are, that are, that are citizens of Israel. 
they're Arab towns. They're, there are people that serve uh, in, in government that, that are Arab. It's just the Palestinians are Arab refugees that are in these, in these pocket areas. And so, um, which obviously makes it very different from all the other uh, Muslim countries that are around them. They're, they're not democracies and, and they're, they're not going to have Jews anywhere near or citizenship or otherwise. Other questions about that? I don't know what's going to happen. Um, CNN and Fox News doesn't know what's going to happen either. We're, we're kind of waiting to see how all, it's all, all of that's going to, uh, uh, to pan out. I'm not an expert on the, uh, on the area. There are guys that are part of our church that served there and did other things that would, 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 probably could fill in, in some of those gaps. Um, I don't think that it's going to stop uh, until what you hear um, Netanyahu and other, other Israelis say. They're not going to stop until Hamas is removed completely from, from Gaza. The 20 plus thousand or so uh, fighters that, that are there. And then it looks like they're setting up some deal where the Palestinian Authority or the UN with the Palestinian Authority would take back over Gaza but I think Israel's done with it. They're, they're not going to. I mean, right now, Israel provides their water and their electricity. They collect their taxes and give them the money and, and all of those, those kinds of things. I think Israel's just going to annex that off, say, we don't really care what you do in there. But what we do care is we're going to go in and take out the bad guys. And once the bad guys are gone and there's a new government set up, then it's yours. I think that, that's probably the goal, whether that will happen or not. All right, other questions? Questions in general? Yes, sir, Jim. All right. Thank you, thank you. Uh, I'm actually asking this for my wife. She thinks deeper than I do. Okay. So, um, anyway, uh, at the rapture, Yes. We're, we're all looking forward to the rapture. That's the only thing that's going to end this whole mess anyway. Yeah. I have no idea. I, <laughs> that's a that, that's a question that you think about when you're laying on the bed in the middle of the night, right? So it's funny. Uh, Isabella just asked me a, a question about uh, about children that that uh, that died during the tribulation period. So first of all, you would let's talk about the doctrine of you know of, of children. So no one goes to heaven apart from the atonement of Christ. No man comes unto the Father but by me. So any child that is born or conceived is born and shaped in iniquity. It's born with a sin nature. And so it comes out of the womb corrupted and sinful and judged. So you have to bring that child some way under the, the atonement of, of Christ. And you have to acknowledge that, that Scripture doesn't give a lot of, uh, of information uh, where it says, point blank, this is exactly what, what, what's going to happen. But I do think that you can piece together, at least my, my answer for the question is piece together uh, from 
David and Bathsheba, whenever the, the baby dies, David makes a statement, uh, the child will not return to me, but I'll go to him. And some people say, well, that's just David's going to die. David's going to go in, go in the grave. But, but I think the key for me is that David washes his face and he, he, he now goes on about, about his business. And yet when his son Absalom dies, David is, is, is inconsolable. Absalom, Absalom, oh, my son Absalom, because I think he knows what happened to Absalom. So I think he, he, he knows what happened to this baby and he knows what happened to, you know, to, you know, to, to Absalom. Then I think you go over into, you know, into Romans 1. Um, there is no specific age of accountability, uh, but, but Scripture is clear that the Lord is just, and he, he does apply accountability based on, based on um, understanding, ability to understand. But still, somehow, that you, you have to say the general atonement of Christ, the atonement of Christ was applied. So either, there are only two options when you boil it down. Either elect babies go to heaven, or all babies are elect. And I take the, the latter position, all babies are, are elect, meaning that the atonement, Christ's death and his blood, was applied to them, um, and they, they perish before they're able to, to respond to an effectual call. So uh, understanding that about babies, uh, in the rapture, are the babies going to go up I would say, I don't have a scripture verse for that. I would say the Bible's silent on that, but you probably could deduce, um, yes, if if your position is all babies are elect. Um, But that would be really out there in in speculation in the land. What I do know is the Lord's merciful and the Lord's good, um, and he always does right, and so he's going to... He's going to fill in the blanks for those spaces that he doesn't, he doesn't detail out for us with, with, with those, those, uh, those answers. Okay. Mrs. Ferguson had a, had a question up here. And if this one's too hard, I'm going to let my wife answer it. So since Jim's wife asked it. Back to Israel. Since yeah. we have missionaries there, should we know how they're doing in this war? No, that's excellent. That's excellent. So we have Minnow Kalisher in, in Jerusalem, Jerusalem Assembly, and then there's a church plant that is, that, that's part of Jerusalem Assembly that's, that's in Netanya, um, which our missionaries are, you know, are part of. Um, right now, the... the Pray, praying for two things. One, evangelistic opportunities, because Minnow is too old to serve. He's already served in the military, so he's there preaching. But there is a lot of believing church members and the pastor from uh, both young pastors from Jerusalem Assembly and the senior pastor from the church plant are both in, in the war. So the senior pastor from the church plant, Natanya, is in Hebron, and Minnow's son, uh, who I think is a deacon there, and some of the other pastors, they're in Gaza. Uh, so they have wives, they have children, they have flock, and they're, they're called to do that work. The, the, the good thing about that is they're there amongst a lot of unbelieving Israeli troops 
while they're getting ready to face, um, you know, really bad, really bad stuff. Boaz's son is uh, Elijah, is, uh, is, is in the tip of the spear in, in Gaza. Boaz told me last week that 15 of his, of his comrades in his unit were killed. So there hasn't been very many Israelis killed. 20, something like that. I don't know if the number's gone up since the last I looked, but 15 of those uh, actually came from Elijah's, Elijah's unit. And as far as I know, he's not a believer. I don't think he even pro- pro- professes to be a believer. So um, the churches are having great evangelistic opportunities, people um, troubled by, by obviously what, what's going on, and then there are believers scattered and embedded now with with, with Israelis. And, uh, I think I've even mentioned this. Menno Kalisher's father, Zvi, was converted in a foxhole in, in that 1948-1949 uh, that war, I believe. Um, somebody gave him, a Jewish woman gave him a, a New Testament. He didn't have anything else to do in the foxhole, so he read it. He came to the Lord. So you never know how God's, how God's going to work. But that, that's great. It's a great question. Continue to pray for them. So let's read it here. It's um, it's uh, thirty six. So you have, but of that day and hour, no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, nor the Son, but the Father alone. For the coming of the Son of Man will be just as it is in the in the days of uh, of Noah. Let's look over at Mark as well. What what was the parallel passage in Mark? Uh, um, Mark thirteen thirty two. But of that day or hour, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven nor the Son, but the, but, but the Father uh, alone. Um, so when, I, I think you have to take it at face value. When Jesus communicated these words to, to the disciples, it was, it was not something that, that, that he knew at, at that moment. So I don't think that takes away the omniscience of God. Um, Philippians 2 says that the Lord... Uh, um, doesn't divest himself of any of his deity, but he sets aside the exercise of some of those while he is on, while he's on the earth. And so uh, the, the Father is the one who fixes the, uh, the plans for the world, and he's, I think what he's emphasizing here to the disciples is at the beginning of Matthew 24... They want to know 
when is this going to happen and what will the signs be? So Jesus goes through this whole thing in Matthew 24. These, this is what, what's going to happen. The signs are, are going to be evident. Um, and there it's, it's going to be a universal sign. As lightning shines from you know, one end of heaven to, uh, to the other. Um, so will the something, coming of the Son of Man be. And, and he's talking about this as in the days of Noah. So people are going to be eating and drinking and marrying. They're going to be going about their lives. Uh, and as they're going about their lives, then, then judgment comes. The Son of Man is, is going to come. And so um, it's not for you to worry. It's almost like a, an echo of what he said in, in Acts 2. It's not for you to, to know or to worry. The, the times of the seasons that the Father has fixed in his time, you'll be my, uh, you'll be my witnesses. What else? Matt. Well, okay. Go right ahead. Okay. Pastor, I have two questions, but uh, you can cut me short after that. <laughs> Are both of these yours or one of them your wife? I, you know, I, I'm going to stand on my own. All right. They're, they're mine. Uh, and uh, lest, we get That's a good far, question. lest we get too far from Romans, Romans 7, verse 9. Paul says, once I was alive apart from the law, but when the commandments came, sin sprang to life. In light of what he has said earlier in Romans, in light of what you have said mm-hmm. about being born in sin, I would just like you to yeah. uh, explain that. It's a great question. I don't want to wait until next week. Yeah, you know, I was going to say, you're going to, steal the, you're going to have to steal the thunder there. So you're exactly right. That's the problem of the, uh, of the passage. Uh, I don't know, I, mean, I haven't read all the way through Romans yet, commentaries or otherwise, but, but Romans 7, there, there's more divergent views on Romans 7 than just about anything I've covered up to this point with, uh, with, with, with Romans. So even in this passage, which I will say more about next week, I mentioned this morning that Paul starts using this, this personal pronoun. He talks about I, which is the first time that, that he does that. I mean, uh, um, I was talking to uh, somebody else about this at the beginning of, of service. There are people that say, well, the I is, is, is Adam personified. And other people say the I is Israel. Paul's talking about Israel. Uh, and some say, well, it's Paul, which I think it is. It's obvious. I don't think you need to look for something other than, than that. But it clearly applies to, to Israel and Adam and all of us because this is Paul's personal experience. Um, and some of the reasons that they look for something other than the obvious being Paul is because of, because of the point that you, that you just brought up in, 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 in verse 9. So when Paul says, I was once alive apart from the law, but when the commandment came, sin became alive and I died. So they would say, well, that, because of what Paul's been talking about and the sin nature, then that couldn't be talking about Paul. That, that, that must be the nation of Israel. So um, the people were, people were alive uh, before the law came in, before the law of Moses and the law came in. Or some will say, well, this is Paul talking about his bar mitzvah. You know. um, the best conclusion, I believe, is that Paul is, is personifying it, and he's, he's talking experientially. So I don't think, because you'd have to negate everything that he said up to this point, I don't think that, that he's saying, I was spiritually alive be, before the law. I think Paul thought 
he was a spiritual man before before the law. And and I think that's also why I even brought out this morning this that the work of the law in you is experiential. So Paul says I I mean Paul obviously knew he was a sinner, but there came a moment when when he he recognized what kind of sinner he was. I mean he, he knew about coveting, but I'm coveting. And when Paul came to that spiritual reality and that conclusion, he died. You know, he, he is now condemned, and, and he knows it. Um, and then the other part where it says, when the commandment came, sin became alive, and I died. So not only does sin, not only does the law reveal, but, but that's, this is part two, which sin, I mean, the law actually stirs up the sin that's in there. And so when the law is, 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 is understood, not in this outward general, don't do this, but it starts applying to me, and it starts uh, exposing me, not only does it expose, but what it does is it stirs up sin, like going back to our, our five-year-old where we say, don't, don't, open that, don't open that door, or, uh, and then you walk out of the room. And so I think that's that that's 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 the the idea that's um, that's there. I, I don't think the other ones make any sense. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Can I get my second one? In? Sure. Yeah, you try. Yeah. So uh, if I don't know the answer, I'll just go on to yeah, something yeah. else. But call on your wife. Yes. We uh, the Bible says we wrestle not against flesh and blood, mm-hmm. but powers and principalities. So what's going on in Israel today? Mm-hmm. Terrorist, yeah, killing an unsaved Israeli, yeah, uh, and uh, they both died, yeah, and they both died unsaved. Yes, uh, do they share the uh, the same uh, punishment? Yeah, at yeah. the same level. Yeah. Okay. That now that extra one. Yeah, that's a great question. So first of all, this is the part that we have to we have to pull apart and look at biblically rather than the way you see what you see on the news and, and really what nationalistically what we want like Israel's good guy the you know Hamas is bad guy which is which is true in the sense of you'll hear Israel's a democracy there's freedom of religion there's freedom of speech there are friends there are allies these people are are, are really bad and um, what's actually going on a, you nailed it. It's not just a, it's not just a, a flesh and blood battle. It's not just Arabs and Jews, and Iran. And I mean, there's a spiritual battle going on. There's spiritual warfare that that's happening. That the Lord is obviously in control of all of it. He, in the sense that He allows it. He, he puts limits on it. Going back to our, you know, of Job, Satan has a measure of freedom on the earth, but but he's on a chain. He can't go any farther than the Lord decrees or the Lord allows. But that's a long chain. And, and he can do a lot of really bad stuff. Um, and so there's that spiritual battle. I agree. You can't do what, what these, I, I don't even know the right word, uh, monsters did to other human beings without being demonically fueled. You, you, you just, you, you can't do that. As I said, there's sin, there's transgression stepping over the line, there's wickedness, which is a higher level, and then there's evil. I mean, this was evil, and and if it's true what they said that they they were high on you know on on dope, 
then you have pharmacia, you have pharmaceuticals that are involved there that, that probably even adds to the, to the demonic you know, nature. So, uh, but, but why is this happening to Israel? And this is the part where you've got to pull back from, a, from uh, as a New Testament believer. It's happening because they're in rebellion against God. Um, the, just like the world would look at us and say we're a Christian nation, and statistically, I think this is very liberal. 10% of America are born-again believers. So Israel, the majority of Israelis are secular. Um, in fact, most of, the, most of the, you know, the average Israelis can't stand the, the religious Jews. They don't serve in the military, you know, the, the pigtail guys and the ones going to the wall. So average Israeli is not a, a God seeker. There's, you might even think of it, it's not a direct correlation, you might even think of it like the average person in America, you know, that's, that, that can be really far away from, you know, from Christians. But, um, but the reason that they're being conquered by their enemies right now is because they're in rebellion against God. And I'm not belittling in any way what happened. What happened was absolutely just horrific and, and unbelievable. But what happened when the temple was destroyed in the Romans? The Romans did a lot of the same things that, that, you know, that, that Hamas did. And so they're going to continue to be conquered um, until their, their Messiah comes and they, they look upon him. I mean, one of the purposes of the tribulation period, which will be way worse than any of this, it's called the, the wrath of the Lamb. So the tribulation period is God's judgment on the unbelieving world, and it's also called the time of Jacob's trouble the time of Jacob's trouble. So Israel will, will, will be under intense pressure, uh, and, and that will prepare them for the coming of the Messiah. It will prepare their hearts you know, for that. And so that's the reason that they're being conquered today, because they're in rebellion. So an Israeli that dies today, a Jew that dies today outside of Christ, sadly perishes and goes to hell. Um, because no man comes unto the Father but, but by me. And so they're, they're in, re, in rebellion and rejection of the gospel of, of Jesus Christ. Now, does a Jew who perishes outside of Christ, is he punished at the same degree as, as the Hamas terrorist? Um, I, would, I think the Bible would say no. Um, but I think here you now you're in a you're in a an area that that's really impossible for us to comprehend. So Jesus said, "Woe unto you, Bethsaida! Woe unto you, Chorazin! It will be worse for you in the day of judgment." So everybody gets hell. How does it get worse than hell? So how do you comprehend it? In the same way, every believer goes to heaven and is in the eternal presence of the Lord. But we will also be rewarded for our faithfulness. How do you get better than heaven? To me, that's a little easier to understand. You know, if I understand my rewards are worship, and I get to get to cast the, my crowns at the feet of Christ, I can understand how that I'm in heaven. But now I get more ability to worship Christ, which is what I desire to do. It's it's even harder. For me. But Jesus clearly says it will be worse for for some of you. So I think you, you stay away from the crazy um, speculations like Catholicism. You know, there'll be a hotter corner or, you know, there's, there, there's more years on it, whether the purgatory and, and those kinds of things. 
but there clearly is degrees of, uh, of punishment. What are those degrees of punishment? I don't know. So that would be my answer for that question. They'll both go to hell, grievingly. Um, but I don't think that, that there is equal punishment for, for Hitler versus, versus somebody who, you know, who dies, dies in their sins. Both die in their sins. But, so, that's great. Two great questions. Matt? This is um, closely related to a couple other questions that have come up uh, about where babies go when they die. Um, I heard a message from John MacArthur a few years ago, and um, I think I remember correctly what he said. Um, I probably don't remember what I had for breakfast this morning, so there's a good chance I'm, I'll misrepresent it. But I think what he said was um, that what condemns us to hell is not being born to the human race, being born as a sinner, but it is the act of rebellion against God. So when you, when you are capable of choosing, so you are, it, it, since you're born a sinner, when, when you do become capable of choosing sin, you will choose sin. That's inevitable. But if you never reach the point of being capable of understanding right versus wrong and choosing sin, then you're not accountable then you're, then you're not condemned. You're not condemned until you reach that point. Um, is that, would you say that that's accurate? I, I think that's a, I mean, that's a, it's a, a legitimate theory. And I, I'd say that'd probably fall into that same category as, as where we were talking earlier. Um, scripture does seem to, to uh, attribute accountability, you know, to, uh, to rebellion and, and your, uh, your condemnation is equated to you know, to, to that rebellion, I I believe that you know that that someone that has limited mental capacity, uh, you know, someone who who is is unable uh, would would fall into that into that same category as you know falling under the you know, the the atonement of of Christ. I've never heard John say that, um, but, but yeah, that was your question. Was that yeah okay. I think what you just have to be careful, you have to base your view on the authority of Scripture, and you will find that there will be questions, depending on how deep you dig, where Scripture doesn't answer it. God, in his wisdom, has chosen not to give us an answer. And when he hasn't given us an answer, you fall at the wall of worship, and you trust his character. So you're, you're trusting the character of God, and you're, you're submitting that this, the Lord says that he's given us everything we need for life and godliness. And so when we begin to get into the, into the areas, and I'm not saying you're doing this, I'm just talking, using this as a general point. When we get into areas that scripture doesn't address, um, we have to remember that we're, we're deceived. Um, we, we have... We have a spiritual mind, but the natural thinking is still there, and we have to guard against getting philosophical because people will say, well, you know, if God's good, then he wouldn't send anybody to hell, or somebody who's never heard the gospel, uh, you know, doesn't go to hell because, you know, they, they didn't have a chance, um, or God gives everybody a chance, and he does in the sense of, of, of um, general revelation, but not everybody gets to hear the gospel like, like us. 
And so you get into some of those areas, and you're trying to bet you, people will end up trying to bail God out, trying to get God off the hook, trying to keep God from looking like, and God doesn't need us to get him off the hook. We, we just say, say what it says. So uh, I don't think that that means that you can't draw conclusions, because obviously I've done, done that on babies and on those that don't have mental capacity. But, um, but I want to be consistent, which is it has to be the atonement, and they're clearly born sinners. So I have to get them under the atonement, you know, in, in some way. Uh, and some of that's by deduction rather than induction, inductively. Thank you. Yes, ma'am. Um, I've used a table talk devotional for decades. And, this is Ligonier? Um, yes. Yeah. And um, one thing that, that they would still teach is that when Jesus was... Um, on the end times that they believe that a good portion of that already took place yeah. at 70 A.D. Yeah. What's your take on that? Uh, uh, I will, I will, with, uh, should I say fear and trepidation, uh, say that R.C. is dead wrong on that. Um, I think I can say that from Scripture and from hermeneutics. Um, I think he's dead wrong on infant baptism too and a number of other things. That he's way smarter than me and no. Um, yeah, that, uh, the, the preterist view or a partial preterist view or, or those things have, have taken place. And I think the answer to that is they'll use that one passage in, in Matthew 24 where Jesus says, this generation shall not pass away until all these things are, are fulfilled. And so what I would ask them, you know, w- w- would be is, is this. Um, verse 21 of Matthew 24. For then, talking about this, this moment of the end times, for then there will be a great tribulation such as has not occurred since the beginning of the world until now, nor ever will. And unless those days had been cut short, no life would have been saved, but for the sake of the elect, those, those days will be cut short. Um, and then verse 29, but immediately after the tribulation, those days the sun will be darkened, the moon will not give its light, and the stars will fall from the sky, and the powers of the heavens will be shaken. Then the sign of the Son of Man will appear in the sky. Then the tribes of the earth will mourn, and they will see the coming of the Son of Man on, on the clouds. So, A, are you going to tell me that what happened in 70 A.D. was the Great Tribulation period, something that Jesus himself describes as it's never happened nor never will be that way? And if you go over to Revelation, the Great Tribulation is described there where a third of the earth's population is killed in in one of the trumpets. Stars fall from the sky. That didn't happen in 70 A.D. And the Son of Man didn't come in 70 A.D., either. So I think it's bad bad hermeneutics and picking and choosing what, what you want. I think the answer to um, you know to the the uh, generation will will not pass away is the, is the generation that's alive um, that that sees the parable of the uh, of the fig trees. So now learn the parable of the fig trees when it's when its branch has become tender and puts forth its shoots, its leaves you know that summer is near. So you too, when you see all these things, recognize that. He is near, right at the door. 
Truly I say unto you, this generation will not pass away till all those things take place. So there will be a generation that will be alive. We're in the latter days, the end times now, but there will be a generation that will be alive right before the Son of Man comes. And it's obviously going to ramp up, you know, in those days. I think that's the generation that he's talking about. But let's say, let's say I'm wrong there. You're not, you're not going to be able to argue that, that the, the tribulation in Revelation, which is what he's talking about here, and this tribulation that never was and never will be, was fulfilled in 70 A.D. That is, that is making sense. Yeah. Well, we're out of time, unfortunately. So, Hopefully that was uh, helpful to you. And um, if you want some additional resources on any of those things, we'll be happy to show you. If you're looking for Q&A stuff, GTY, grace to you, John MacArthur used to do this once a month on Sunday nights. And big church... And his motto was, if you'll walk up to the microphone and ask the question, he'll answer it. Uh, and he had people there at the microphones that would... My point is, you can listen to those Q&As. And a lot of the same questions that you would have, I mean, that, that's where I went. It used to be, you, you couldn't get it on video. It was actually a transcript of it. And I was like, oh, yeah, I'd like to know the answer to that question. <laughs> and then I'd listen to it. And, um, and they're, they're really good. So that's gty.org. You can... You can do the, go to the Q&A section, which has a lot of stuff. And, of course, John's quite, quite funny and answers, answers some of them in a, in a very humorous way. So, helpful? Father, we love you. We thank you so much for your word. We do pray tonight for Elijah and the other soldiers that are in Gaza that are outside of Christ. We pray, Lord, that um, you'd get the gospel to them somehow. Someone that they're with or next to would share with them, have the courage to share. We pray for these Christians that, that are in Israel, that are embedded with, with other unbelievers, unbelievers, that you would use them. We pray for Jerusalem Assembly. We pray for the plant in Netanya. Pray for the other faithful brothers and sisters there that you would use this time to, to save many people. And we thank you for your word. It gives us clarity. In Jesus' name, amen.